0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today's special guest is an expert on TRT, men's hormones, and health optimization. Danny Bossa, welcome
0: to the show, man. Thanks, Lucas. Nice, uh, nice introduction. <laughs> so, Danny, <laughs> my, head, my head get bigger and more bigger than it already is? <laughs> that's,
1: not a, that's not a good sign. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> So Danny, maybe do you want to let my listeners know like who you are and I guess what you'd love to, um, what you'd love to dive into?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm, I was very much once like your listeners, just people looking for, for either information or were looking for help. I had every single low testosterone symptom you could possibly think of multiplied by 10. The libido was terrible. Erections were practically non-existent. I was tired. I had no motivation, brain fog, my sleep was crap, my energy was crap. It just, I just felt like crap. And I kept going to see a bunch of doctors in the area saying, you know, something's got to be wrong. This isn't normal. I was eating very, very well. Uh, I was going to the gym five days a week, running. Stress was, you know, relatively under control. Every factor that was within my control, and it just wasn't really making a difference. I mentioned some of the podcasts I've done that I would see guys in the gym, you know, they're, they're lifting their weights and they're, they're on their phone and they're, and they're growing and I'm there like, and it's like, nothing was happening. I was like this, you know, is it just bad genetics? Am I just terrible at training? And like, is it just, you know, and it was very, very challenging at the time trying to find any doctor that knew anything about what was wrong with me. And I'm a problem solver by trade. I have a IT consulting company, so my strong suit is troubleshooting—is getting a problem and finding a solution. So I'm going to all these professionals, hoping that they will troubleshoot me, troubleshoot my anatomy that wasn't getting anywhere. And then it got to the point, said, "Well, you know, they can't figure out. I guess I'm going to have to figure it out." So I got started getting into the forums and the, you know, Reddit and T Nation and Facebook group, and there's a lot of information like as you guys will all see some of it you know like is this true is that true and this guy says this but this guy says that yeah but this guy says that look what he looks like so he must know what he's talking about yeah but the skinny guy over here and it's like you know you're trying stuff and some things helps a bit and other things didn't and um so i was i was very very um eager to solve it because if even in my line of work if i can't solve a problem it really eats me up inside and it Keeps me awake So I, I needed to f- find a solution. So I got a lot of the stuff figured out with time, a lot of experimentation and trying stuff, and like, oh, this does this, this and that does that. And if I do this, oh, okay, started figuring out and started making friends with a lot of physicians to the point that we were talking on the phone. It was getting to the point I was talking to physicians, more physicians in the data. I was talking to my actual clients and I was bouncing off ideas and questions. And then one would tell me one thing and I would talk to another one and I'd get his feedback. So I was getting the feedback of like dozens of physicians, which was great. Because sometimes when you learn just from one person, you get a bit of a biased opinion. And I think my approach is kind of a collective of many sources of information and then things I've been able to demonstrate on my own and demonstrate with others. And eventually I I got it all figured out. I got all my issues resolved. You know, I still got the ugly mug that I can't fix and, you know. But outside of that, I spent a lot of time just trying to help men out because I was seeing guys in the same situation that I was once in. And I recall that situation like it was yesterday. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Like Mm. there's there's a couple of people on the planet that I really can't stand and I still would not want them to go through what I was going through back then. So seeing all these men that are desperate for some kind of a help or a fix or a solution. I've spent a lot of my time now over the last couple of years just trying to help guys out as much as I can to get them pointed in the right direction. I've become uh, somewhat notorious on the internet <laughs> because if you, if you Google my name, just Google my name and you'll see there's hate threads about me and stuff. The reason being is back when I was feeling the way that I was, there was so much bad information. Things that I tried that made things worse, and when I see that bad information now, I, I I imagine you know John who's you know symptomatic trying to find the correct info, and some guys telling him, oh, you need three milligrams of rumidex or your dose is too high, or you need to you need to do this, and it's just going to mess him up. I just think of the times that I got that bad information and the and the impact, the negative impact it had on me, and it and it really was boiling <laughs> boiling my blood. So I. You know, for lack of a better word, bitched out a lot of people, particularly last year. I've kind of calmed down on that front lately. Um, and I'm probably going to make some kind of apology thread or something on, on Reddit because maybe I went a little hard on some people. But I, I don't do this for a living. I don't do this to make money. I do the odd consult here and there at this point when guys are, they've tried everything out with their doctors. They're not really quite figuring out. They want some other ideas. We'll do like a 30 minute video call that I, I charge some money for. But outside of that, all the stuff in the Facebook groups and whatever I do for free and comments, I do videos on a YouTube channel called TRT and Hormone Optimization. It's all for free. So it's just a little passion, something that I was able to pick up, understand fairly in depth. And it's kind of my way of giving back to society. You know, Some rich people will give money to a charity and others will go help out at their local soup kitchen. I help guys uh, <laughs> feel better with their hormones. That's what I'm trying to do here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really, um, I really respect that, that mission there, Danny. And I sort of would like to um, dive into some of the really bad advice that you've seen hovering over the years or some of the just horrible advice
0: that even you saw online. Yeah, right. It's usually the same things. We'll see doctors that'll look at the vial, you know, and I don't know if it's, it's ignorance on their, on their part or I don't know what the issue is, but if you look at a vial of of testosterone sipionate or testosterone enantate, it'll say, you know, 200 milligrams every two weeks. So the doctors will follow that advice and say, you know, shot every two weeks. A shot every two weeks will never work for anybody. It just won't. A shot once a week will work for a, you know, a chunk of the population. They'll never feel as well as they could have potentially felt had they done a little bit more often, let's say twice a week at the minimum. But there's a lot of guys, just by default that are put on a shot once a week and they don't feel well. And the doctor thinks, well, you know, I'm giving you testosterone and according to the box, that's what it says. And, and you should be fine. So the things that I'm seeing are administration that is not nearly as frequent enough as would be required to resolve symptoms. And we can touch on that after what, what are the signs that would, Demonstrate that you might need to go a little more often. Doctors that are, for some unknown reason, afraid of testosterone. They go to see their doctor, oh, I can't put you on too much. You know, it causes cancer, it causes strokes, it causes heart attacks, it causes, you know, they pull all these diseases out of their butts because they read some article on freaking Newsweek that said, oh, you know, uh, testosterone has now been associated with uh, growing a third testicle. Like They just come up with things that make no sense. And there's nothing in the literature to support it. So they're frequently underdosing men. I got a lot of doctors I've seen that'll you know prescribe to patients 40 or 50 milligrams a week, claiming, well, that's all the human body makes. You can't compare endogenous your your, your natural production with taking an exogenous source, a, a you know, from injection or cream or whatever else. You can't compare the two. So just say, oh, I body makes five to seven or eight milligrams a day, there four times seven, I should take 40 milligrams a week. I mean, if you think that's correct, take 40 milligrams a week and let me know how it works out for you. It's not going to work. Most doctors very fearful of anything having to do with estrogen. They're looking at it like, well, you know, we want you to be a man. You got to be male. So you got the testosterone. You don't want that, you know, that women shit in your, in your, in your blood, you know, that estrogen that's, that's for growing boobs. And, uh, getting PMS symptoms and being emotional and crying when you see puppy dogs and you don't want any of that. You know, that's no good. We'll touch on that later. So yeah, frequency, underdosing, blocking estrogen, getting guys on a ton of different compounds right off the bat. Another one. Those would be like I guess my top four picks of things I see day after day after day. Um, and another one, actually probably most importantly at all, is you know, they, they take the little the labs and they look at it and like Oh, your levels are here. Therefore, uh, you're fine because your number here looks really nice. So you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. The patients are sitting there like, but I feel like shit. Well, the number here says that you're not. So sorry. You'd figure in 2021 with the amount of guys going in for symptoms like this, that doctors are going to eventually catch on to say, okay, whatever we're doing doesn't seem to work. What should we do? And it just... I don't know what the reason is. I I know I'm going off a little bit of a rant here, but I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if it's, like I said, if it's ignorance or there's just so much lobbying and persuasion from the the, the pharmaceutical companies. Like, don't prescribe tests. It's going to make them healthy. You know, just prescribe the Viagra and the Cialis and the antidepressants and the statins and prescribe all that stuff. Um, I don't believe that the government and particular pharmaceutical companies want anybody healthy. A healthy population is not a profitable population. So yeah, guys wind up in Facebook groups that I'm an admin of asking questions because they're not getting any reliable information from anyone else. Mm.
1: Yeah, cool. So maybe, Danny, did you want to explore the protective role, I guess, of androgens in regards to aging and, and general vitality?
0: Yeah. So you look at uh, teenagers as an example. You know, if they're healthy and they're in you know, reasonably good shape, they tend to look Really, really good. Uh, the, the boys, the girls it doesn't really matter. The guys have some muscle tone. They can go to the gym. They train. They look good. Their skin looks amazing. Their eyes are bright. They get all this energy. They're limber. And then as you start aging, and these hormones start dropping off, that's when some of this stuff starts to happen. So when you look at stuff like, you know, prostate cancer, cardiovascular disease, you know, maybe neurological issues like Alzheimer's or or whatnot. This isn't stuff that happens when you're younger, right? This is stuff that happens later on as you age. And what they're beginning to figure out is that when these hormones start to drop off, that's when a lot of these issues occur. And when they replenish these hormones to something optimal, when I'm talking about optimal, I don't mean taking the amount of bodybuilder would take just enough that you resolve any symptoms of low testosterone you have, it tends to mitigate a lot of these issues from happening. So there has been a lot of talk about, you know, from people talking about, well, you know, I've read that testosterone causes stroke and it causes heart attacks and it causes cancer and it causes, and we don't see that. I've asked most of the doctors I know, like the people that are on TRT or even HRT in general, we'll just say HRT, you know, because women take estradiol and they take progesterone and they take a little bit of testosterone, men typically take testosterone, I said, have you seen any increases in some of these things? And they say, no, we see a decrease. And when I look in my own Facebook group, there was a guy that I won't mention his name, but saying that um, testosterone causes uh, kidney issues. I've got a Facebook group with 10,000 guys. We don't see kidney issues. No one is posting like, yeah, I've got kidney issues. Oh yeah, me too, me too. Like, It's just not seen. We're not seeing anyone posting about, I developed this problem, I got developed this problem. They're not. So- It's not just a matter of saying I want to take hormones, whether you're male or female, to simply feel better. Yes, you're going to feel better, in particular if you had a deficiency or had symptoms related to these low hormones. But it's unreal in regards to the amount of protection that these will bring to you later on in regards to, I mean, like I said, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, any type of prostate cancer. There's just so many of them that, you know, it's protective of the brain. It's protective of the heart. It's protective of the cardiovascular system. It's protective of a lot of the internal organs. So you wind up with more muscle mass, which is better for, have a better quality of life. You wind up with less fat mass. And there are, you know, the odd people that say, oh, I wouldn't take that. It's not good for you. And I read all this stuff. And I say to myself, okay, well, if you're now going to, Decide: am I going to get, let's say if you're a man, I'm going to get on, on testosterone or I'm not. I'm not going to get on testosterone because I'm concerned about all these things that you see online. Okay, well, now you have no protection for any of these things going forward. So if your testosterone levels are tanked, chances are you're going to lose some muscle mass as you age, which you'll have a lower quality of life. You're not going to be as strong. You're going to have issues with bone mineral density. You'll likely put on more fat. So now you're carrying more weight your tendons, your ligaments are less flexible, your speed, your agility, you know, you might be more prone to falls and stuff as you age. Imagine, you know, once you've hit 70, what that person might look like compared to the guy who started, you know, TRT at 40 and now he's 70, you're going to have two completely different people. And, you know, so there's talk about risks and stuff. We're just not seeing it. We do see a lot of benefits. So, for me, the risks are like, well, there's a risk if you, a risk if you take anything, really. I mean, you take Tylenol. Apparently, there's people that die of Tylenol every year. I choose to be the one that says, I'm going to resolve all these issues. I'm going to feel fantastic. I look at myself in the mirror, how I feel, my mental state, the, my libido, my energy. I can't see anyone telling me that testosterone has been harming me in any way. My blood work looks fantastic. And I've been reaping these benefits as time passes. And I've, I'm rarely sick. I used to get sick at least two, three times a year prior to TRT. Now I get sick once every three years, once every four years. I'm never sick. So, and it's not just the testosterone itself, but also the estradiol that it converts to. Estradiol is extremely, extremely protective. And when I see guys that are trying to lower their estradiol levels, it, it just it, it it boggles the mind. Uh, we can touch later on about estradiol a little, a little bit more. Uh, detail and like explain why. I don't know if I sufficiently answered your question. I was telling Lucas offline because uh, we had a quick issue. There was a power failure. We had to cut and we had to come back on. But sometimes I get a question and it's like there's just so much to say, and I'm like, where do I start? Do I start here? Do I talk about? It's it's sometimes very difficult to to verbalize because you you're just going to wind up touching on so many different subjects. So. Sorry if I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not as uh, as a focused or, or straight on that, uh, in that regard.
1: Since since you brought up, Danny, since you're sort of um, segueing into some of the downstream metabolites of testosterone, maybe we can, maybe did you want to distinguish, you know, maybe DHT and estradiol or maybe outline, you know, some of the pros and cons associated with those uh, hormones and why we even have them?
0: Yeah. So, Okay I'll touch on the DHT one first cuz it's shorter and simpler and I'm not I can't call myself an expert on DHT I don't know as much about DHT as I do about the other ones DHT is a metabolite as you said we will concern ourselves if an individual is not creating enough of it so if he's got very 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 low DHT that could cause issues with libido as an example even erections we see that happen a lot And even just mental focus and drive, some of those things. And then you have the guys that sometimes will have very high DHT levels where it could impact things like effects on the prostate a little bit. You can get a little large prostate for some guys, not for everyone. DHT will often accelerate hair loss if you're genetically prone to hair loss. So that can be a problem sometimes with some guys that they'll apply stuff like uh, they'll take finasteride or they'll apply something to their hair to ensure they're not losing hair in my case, like, you know, I shave my head now. So this is, this isn't, I'm not bald. I just totally shave my head growing up. I full head of hair later on in life. It started thinning out. I started getting a little bit of that little patch and I started cutting it shorter and shorter. And one day on a dairy, I shaved my head and my wife loved it. And I just kept it like that ever since. But like, you know, did TRT accelerate the thinning? Well, it was already kind of thinning and it, it may have sped it up a little bit, but again, I'm genetically prone. I look at my father and my father's hair thinned out quite a bit. My grandfather was totally bald. My other grandfather was, was bald. So it was, it was bound to happen regardless. I think some, a lot of people put a little bit too much emphasis on their hair. I don't think it's a good idea to control DHT simply based on you losing your hair. Uh, will it help you retain hair? Sure. But blocking DHT, if you can just Google post finasteride syndrome, a lot of people that block DHT for a long time can wind up with neurological issues and stuff. It's really not great. They come into our Facebook group, they can't have an erection anymore. They got very poor libido. So guys, don't put too much too much weight on your hair. I personally prefer to feel better and be healthy than go on, go down that road. Mm-hmm. So now on regards to estradiol, that's something I know a lot more about. So, estradiol in women is primarily created with the ovaries, right? So, they have a gland, if you want to call it that, that creates the hormone. In men, we have testicles that create the majority of our testosterone. We have thyroid glands that creates the majority of our thyroid. We do not have a gland that creates estradiol. So, there is some... Argument or some debate of if estradiol is even considered an endocrine hormone in men because we don't make it directly from any particular gland. It has to be converted with the aromatase enzyme. Okay. So there's a little bit of back and forth, people saying what's oh, an endocrine hormone, maybe not in men. So when you are measuring serum levels of testosterone, testosterone circulates through the serum, through your blood through all different parts of your body, delivers it to the tissue, to the brain, to the bones, to to organs, to everything. If you do a blood draw, you can measure the amount of testosterone in your serum. You can see exactly what's the total testosterone. You can get an idea of your free testosterone. And it's a fairly accurate measurement because testosterone is circulating through the blood. The testosterone then gets delivered to the tissue and then gets converted into estradiol in the tissue using the aromatase enzyme. What you see when you're measuring serum levels of estradiol is you are seeing just a little bit that leaks back into the serum. So that little bit that leaks back into the serum doesn't really give you an idea of how much is in the tissue. I like using analogies. I don't go into a ton of technical talk. As you can see, I'm very simple English. I I like dumbing things down as much as possible. But the analogy I use all the time is imagine you've got a swimming pool and the swimming pool is covered up and it's got a little hole. And there's water leaking out. And you're desperately trying to figure out how much water is in the swimming pool because maybe it's a big concern. So you put a bucket by the pool and you go to sleep and you come back the next morning and there's two liters of water that dripped or leaked into your bucket, right? So how much is in the pool? You're calculating, okay, well, this much leaked into the bucket over a period of time. So the rate of leakage would be this much. And you do all this math. And it's irrelevant because you're only measuring the amount that leaked out. There's no way for you to know how much is actually in the pool. Mm. Okay. So we're finding more and more that measuring estradiol levels in men is kind of pointless mm. unless we suspect a deficiency. So for example, if a guy has, um, I use the American units. I know you're in, you guys use more PMOL and stuff, but actually I'll, I'll, I'll try not to use units at all for this, but let's say you're at higher than the clinical range. You're in, you're getting into super physiological territory and then you look at your estradiol levels and they're like at the bottom of the range. That usually implies that you may have an aromatase deficiency. Your body is not able to create enough of it. And there's a lot of physicians that are actually prescribing exogenous estradiol to men to bring those levels up because the estradiol is what's providing a lot of the, the protection against some of the stuff we we're discussing before is a huge driver of libido, which most people don't even realize and erections. Is a huge driver of burning off of visceral fats. It's for bone mineral density. There are so many things that estradiol does. The thing that guys will talk about a lot in the forums, they'll wind up with issues that they refer to as high E2 issues. And they'll say, you know, I feel emotional. I've got libido issues. I, I'm having problems with my erections. I've got water retention, I've got itchy nipples, puffy nipples, I'm developing gynecomastia. And they usually attribute it it to estradiol. What we're seeing more and more is that these issues are not necessarily related to estradiol. They are associated with your androgen levels fluctuating quite a bit. So your testosterone, let's say for, I'll give you an example, you take a shot of your testosterone once a week. So you maybe on Monday. So you get a spike. And then over the course of the week, it's dropping off, dropping off, dropping off, dropping off, and they have another spike. So it's, you're constantly kind of going up and down. When these levels are going up, the testosterone levels are going up and down, it's also converting into estradiol. So now your estradiol levels are also going up and down. And that's when a lot of these things occur. Now, if I want to take a problematic guy and I say, let's just do a little experiment, we're going to put you on daily shots. So take your weekly amount uh, you can load up seven syringes in advance. There is some debate that maybe it's not a good idea to have syringes just sitting with the oil in a drawer for a week, but I've been doing that way forever and I'm, I'm still alive and I don't have any issues. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, nothing has nothing, nothing, happened to me yet. So it's, it seems to be all right. When they do that, the majority of their issues go away. I've demonstrated in myself by trying to do twice weekly shots, and I had some pre-existing gyno from prior to even starting to your teeth, I had for a long time. And if I go to twice weekly shots, it starts swelling up. Wow. Uh, my libido starts going away. My erections start screwing up. I start holding water. I start getting all these strange issues. I go back to daily shots. Everything's the same. My levels are flat. There's no more of this up and down. And I feel great. Hmm. There is the odd. Guy that they're saying, well, I've tried daily shots, and it didn't help. Just going daily is not necessarily always the fix. Sometimes they're not taking enough, which is very, 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 very often the case. On odd occasion, they're taking too much, and on odd occasion, they wind up with other factors that are causing this, such as poor liver function like estrogens in general are metabolized in the liver. So if you've got poor liver function, you're not metabolizing the androgens and the estrogens properly. So you wind up with some of this stuff going on. Uh, insulin resistance is another one. That's probably a very small percentage of the population that I'll see with that. Most of them are just not injecting frequently enough or not taking enough and they, they're winding up with these issues. So the key here is keeping your levels as stable as possible. Taking this test, that I was talking about at the beginning, is not really reflective of anything. There's no way for you to know what your actual estradiol levels were, unless you were dead and somebody was performing an autopsy and checking every single part of your body to see, well, how much estradiol was here and how much estradiol was here, because every single part of your body is gonna wind up with differing levels of estradiol. And it's a completely self-regulating mechanism. The body is gonna make what it needs when it needs it. So for example, if I fall off my chair and I hit my head and I get a concussion, my brain is going to start converting some testosterone into estradiol because it's neuroprotective. It'll actually help protect my brain, knowing that I just had a traumatic brain injury. Okay, so if you want to start blocking that conversion, you have to say to yourself, "Okay, well, where am I blocking it exactly?" Because I might have a part of my body that happens to have a lot of estradiol, and I might be blocking it and bringing it down a little bit. Like, "Ooh, that's that's good," but. Maybe my brain's desperately trying to make estradiol because of a problem and I'm blocking it there. Maybe I have a part of my body that has very, very little estradiol. It's all it needs, but I'm blocking it there. Now it has none. Mm -hmm. So I always ask people, why are you blocking it to begin with? Well, because my my estradiol is high. Well, your estradiol is high because your testosterone is high. Yeah, but I want my testosterone high, but I I don't want the estradiol to be high. When you're raising testosterone, your estradiol is going to fall. The more you raise this, there is a point that your estradiol level will actually plateau. Hmm. And the reason being is because you only have a limited amount of aromatase enzyme. The the analogy I make on this one is, imagine you have a winery. And you bring grapes to the winery. And that winery is capable of making 100 100 bottles of, of wine a day, let's just say. Now, if I took all the grapes on the planet and I brought it there, the winery you can only make 100 bottles of wine a day. So it doesn't matter how much wine I bring it, it can only make so much, okay? So it's the same thing with the body. If you're, you're raising testosterone, yeah, you're going to convert more and more and more and more, but there will be a point that you can keep raising testosterone, go and go and go and go and go, and, go, and your estradiol levels are just going to plateau because there's only so much of the seromatase enzyme that can convert it into estradiol, okay? Now that I brought that up as well, again, I told you I'm all over the place. If you're raising testosterone up and 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 and it gets to the point that estradiol stops, your ratio between the two is growing and growing and growing. We do have literature that supports that higher ratios between the two can be detrimental to your health. Right. right? So I see guys jacking up their testosterone levels like crazy. And then they're lowering the estradiol. So testosterone on its own can cause some degree of. Stress, if you will, to the body, especially if you're taking a lot. Now, if you have the estradiol there to protect, everything kind of balances out. But now, if you're going to raise the testosterone and you're going to lower the protective benefits of the estradiol, you're kind of you're asking for for problems there for sure. Mm. Um, so. Again, everyone watching, and we were all taught that way. I was taught that way. Every single doctor that I deal with was taught that way. We were all ingrained and brainwashed with, you know, if you got this issue, it's estrogen, it's estrogen, it's estrogen. And we've demonstrated over and over, like, well, if we do this, we're just fine. I did a video on the YouTube channel about how I fixed my gyno. And when I started TRT, I was taking once-weekly injections, and my gyno was swelling up and swelling up. It must be the estradiol. I guess I need an AI. And I'm taking an aromatase inhibitor, trying to get my estrogen in that stupid bro science range that everyone talks about That's completely doesn't make any sense. And it wasn't helping at all. It was causing issues everywhere else. And I kept trying to figure out how to time when I would take the Rimadex. Like, Do I take it the day of my shot? Or should I take it the day after my shot? Because, you know, if on Monday I take my testosterone, it's going to peak. And then it'll probably start converting a testosterone the next day. So maybe that's when I should add it. And then I was reading that high estradiol symptoms are the same as low estradiol symptoms. And you're, you can't take labs every single day. So you're sitting there going, is it is because my E2 is too high? Or is it because it's too low? And you're trying this, you're trying. one point I said, Jesus Christ, it's a pain in the ass. So I stopped taking the... Um, aromatase inhibitor i started doing more frequent injections and all of a sudden i was feeling better and the gyno was shrinking and i was like that's weird i thought this was caused by estrogen and it just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking then i tried raising my dose even more which in turn was raising my estradiol levels even more and it was shrinking and shrinking and i'm losing fat off my chest cuz i i was putting on prior to that tons of fat on my chest it was really fatty and the nipple was swollen and I had this big, hard lump. There's a lot of guys that see the videos are like, oh, Danny didn't have uh, gyno. He just had a fat chest. Like, no, I had big, hard lumps under my nipples that I could touch. I could even grab them and like pull it out. And they were painful and tender. I hugged my kids. I was like, ah, like it, it hurt. And just going to the daily shots and raising it, the more I was raising it and the more my estradiol levels were coming up, the more fat I was burning off and the more that the lump was shrinking. To the point now I look and I take my shirt off and it, it doesn't look like I had it. And my estradiol levels now are five times higher than they were prior to me starting TRT. So it's like, okay, well, if estradiol causes gyno, <laughs> how is it possible my estradiol levels are five times higher now? Because I've jacked up my testosterone dose and my gyno's gone away. Mm. And when I did that video, I got so much feedback. From it. It's like, yeah, it happened to me too. And how is it possible? It, it shouldn't be the case. And it is. Um, water retention is the same thing. A lot of guys start on TRT, they get water retention. They say, oh, it's the, it's the estradiol. I have to take an aromatase inhibitor. And it's completely transient. You just give it some time. If you're on a half-decent protocol where you're injecting frequently enough, you can potentially hold a little bit of water while your body's adjusting because now you're throwing your hormone profile completely out of whack until it stabilizes. And it tends to eventually just go away. Mm. It's like, well, it went away. So, if high E2 is causing your water retention, well, you still got the high E2. Meanwhile, your water retention went away. Mm-hmm. And for some guys, if it's taking a little bit too long, they can take a mild diuretic. It helps flush the water out of them. And it typically doesn't come back anyway. So that's now and on concern. So the goal here, guys, is what I tell everybody. When you're running labs for anything, very, very often the ranges are important. When it comes to hormones, I do not believe they're important. The reason being, you take a guy, you put him on a deserted island, you give him all the testosterone in the world he wants, unlimited syringes, no access to labs. What is he going to do? He's going to figure out how much he needs to take through trial and error, how often he needs to take where he feels his best, and then he's going to figure that out. He's like, okay, it's 150 milligrams a week, twice a week. I've tried more. I've tried less. I've tried more frequently. This has been the best i figured out, and that's where I feel my best. If the guy got off the island... I went to do labs. The doctor says, yeah, because your testosterone is uh, high. You're going to have to need to lower the dose. The guy say, well, I, I, I did this experiment. And if I lower the dose, all my symptoms come back. Yeah, but you forget the stupid ranges here. The, yeah. the, the goal is you want to take the minimum amount required to resolve your symptoms, whatever that amount is. As soon as you say, "I this is my amount and my symptoms are gone, stop there. That's the key. And the mm-hmm. second thing is that you feel the same every day one day, like, oh, my God, I got this raging libido, and the next day, it's like, oh, man, I can't get it up anymore, and the next day, it's this, and, and you're up and down, that's usually signed to increase injection frequency, and that tends to resolve all these things that guys are calling E2 issues, and it's mostly just due to them looking at their labs saying, well, look at my estradiol, it's it's higher than the range. Well, yeah, you jacked up testosterone, of course it's going to go up, that's, they're, they're linked, that's not, congratulations, your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Right. You know, like that's, that's it. And they're just so caught up and they go in the forums and they're like, oh no, you need to take Arimidex or you need to take Arom- Aromacin or you need to take Letrozole and all these drugs. And Arimidex is, was designed as an anti-cancer medication for women. Mm-hmm. There's no study. And I keep telling people all the time, find me a study where they, that they did where they took a group of guys on testosterone. And during this experiment, they put them on aromatase inhibitor. We don't see them we don't. Um, so I actually, uh I'll, I'll just make one point really fast. I talked to Dr. Neil Ruzie from time to time, and he told me he's got a lot of guys on estradiol. And I said, why? He says, their lipid profile improves like you wouldn't believe. Wow, He says, just, just for that in itself, he says, it's night and day difference. So- why guys don't want to lower it, but I only want to lower it a little bit. Okay. So you only want to reduce your protection a little bit. Yeah, but I, it's because the number, I just want to lower it a little. Okay. So you just want to lower your libido and your erections a little bit. Like why? It, it just boggles the mind. And it's just the way they were taught. Again, we were all taught that way. And we just had to un-fuck un, our brains basically and learn how it actually works. Yeah. Um, anyway.
1: No, I think, yeah, I think you summed that up really, really nicely there, Danny. And it's um, I think the importance here lies in patient symptoms. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to improve symptoms at the minimum effective dose, like you said. There's something else that sort of popped up in my mind, and that is route of administration. Now, I know we've mm-hmm. mentioned injections, but did you want to just maybe touch on some of the other applications?
0: Sure. For- so the tried-tested and true gold standard is, was, and maybe always will be injections, okay? It's very, very rare that I see guys on injections on a proper protocol where they're like, it's, it's just not working, and they switch to some other method, and suddenly it's better. Except for some guys that don't create enough DHT, hmm. if they use the transcrotal cream, so it's basically a compounded testosterone cream either a VersaBase or um, anyways, there's, there's another, another gel, not Androgel, but it's a compounded gel. Uh, it's usually dosed 200 milligram per gram of cream. When applied to the scrotum, has an eight times greater absorption than putting it anywhere else in the body. Okay. So a lot of doctors are telling people you want to apply the cream on your shoulders or on your chest or your forearms or the back of the knees. And they got all these weird spots. You want to absorb every ounce of that cream. You want a clean, Shaved, dry scrotum doesn't have to be completely shaved, but as little hair as possible. You apply it there, you get eight times greater absorption, and because of an enzyme in that skin called 5-alpha reductase, you wind up getting higher levels of DHT. Now there's some guys when they get that higher level of DHT, they're like, oh, "Now I finally feel the way I always wanted to feel." Okay, we do have those guys. There's some guys that start on the cream. And they just, they feel ramped up. They, they, they just feel off and they get on injections. They feel better. So when it comes to the injections and cream, what I usually tell people is if you get on the injections and you feel like a hundred bucks or no, hundred bucks, is a bit cheap, a million bucks is what I wanted to say, don't change anything. Okay. Because there's a lot of people that start something, they feel great. But what if I do that? Maybe I'll feel even better. Like, can you just stop for Christ's sake? <laughs> just leave it alone. You're fixed. You were miserable and you felt like shit. You're finally better. Yeah, but what if I add, you know, this uh, vitamin D here? And, uh, what if I up my... <sighs> so frustrating. Um, <laughs> sorry. I get a lot of that. If they feel great, fine. If they're like, yeah, but I was kind of expecting more like is a- the beetle is okay. But it's when it, you know, I can say, give the the cream a try. Some guys will try the cream and like, oh my god, okay, this was it. Some guys will try it, yeah, So try each one and see which one works best for you. In my case, I've always been on injections, and I mean, everything works really well. <laughs> so to try the the cream that it that it works even better than than it works. Uh, when I say it. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get a divorce. So, uh, the injections are fine. Uh, so those are the two best ones. I do not recommend androgel by any stretch of the imagination. Anything that is dosed less than 200 milligram per gram, you're wasting your time and your money. There's a lot of doctors that'll dose cream at 100 milligrams per gram of cream, or even 50 milligrams. That I've seen even less. So there's guys slathering like a whole bunch of cream, like just up the concentrations. So you don't have to. The cost of your cream will be roughly the same. You're just much more concentrated, much more concentrated. You can, you can apply less, especially if you're going to be applying it to the scrotum. If you got 50 milligram per, per gram cream and you're trying to apply that to the scrotum, unless you've got like, you know, the scrotum of a freaking elephant, you're going to run out of of space to apply this stuff, right? So, so those are the, definitely the two best ones. There are pellets. Pellets are, I mean, it looks like a pellet. It's implanted into the butt cheeks. And the goal is that it's like kind of a slow release form of testosterone. I don't like it. It's very, very difficult to dial in. You wind up, you know, either they put one that was very high potency and you wind up with really, really high levels. And over time is dropping and dropping and dropping, and dropping. Some of them aren't enough, but it's, you can dial in because once that pellet is in your butt cheek, like that's it. You now have to deal with the outcome of whatever result this pellet's going to give you over the course of months versus if I was taking injections, for example, and I was say, I'm going to start with 150 milligrams a week. And after two shots, I was like, man, I feel too ramped up. You know, I could skip a dose and let my levels fall. So, like, okay, let me try 100 milligrams a week. And you can tweak stuff a little bit quicker. I much prefer stuff that is shorter acting. When I say shorter acting for viewers, usually what I refer to is what's the half life. So testosterone, sipionate, NS8, roughly a week. So whatever you put your your body at the beginning of the week, by the end of the week, you'll have about half as much. Okay. With pellets, again, because it just lasts so long, how do you tweak that? You're going to have to wait till the pellet finally runs out and your levels are tanked. And then you're going to, you know, add more, add less or whatever else. I do on occasion recommend pellets. For specific circumstances, sometimes I get guys contacting me like I'm a Navy SEAL or I'm a, you know, I'm going to be going on a mission for three months. What do I do? What do I do? I can't bring the testosterone syringes with me. Go get some pellets. Pop in some pellets. At least you'll have some levels while you're you're away. Because if you take your shot now, I mean, within a month you'll be, you know, at, at zero. Avoid the pills. Testosterone pills. Apparently, there's a new one that isn't hepatotoxic. What about the Xernia? Uh, uh- yeah, I have nasal spray as well. Uh, Natesto. I uh, got a lot of guys trying that out. Their levels aren't really getting anything that's providing symptom relief. They're getting a lot of irritation in the sinuses. They're just constantly like squirting the stuff up their nose. The pills, like I said, there's one that's come out recently. A couple of guys made posts in the Facebook group. Testosterone that's going to go through the digestive system and get processed directly through the liver and whatever else. I'm kind of skeptical. I'm waiting to see a little bit more information on that one. And there's a number of other ones, just all kinds of weird. The thing is, is that nobody has a patent on testosterone, okay? Because it's a naturally occurring hormone. You can't patent it. It's dirt cheap. So the pharmaceutical companies are trying to figure out, okay, how do we make money off it? So what they do is they try to create a delivery system that they can patent. We got testosterone oil, which will cost you next to nothing. But now we've developed this delivery system, and there's a cartridge, and then you just go like this, and it self injects, and then you pay like a fortune for it. Like just the cream is relatively cheap, injections are crazy cheap. And for those of you that are considering getting on TRT saying, you know, injections, I don't know, I had a major phobia of needles. You would just show me a needle, and my eyes would kind of roll back in the head, and I'd be asleep in two seconds. It's amazing what you can get used to. The syringes and the needles you use are really, 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 really tiny. When I saw how small they were, I'm like, okay, even I can probably do this. And, I, and I've been doing it ever since. It's really no big deal. For those that are credibly needle phobic, try the cream. But those are really the two top ones. I don't, really, I don't really have much interest in the other ones unless it's for a very specific application. Awesome. Okay,
1: great stuff there, Danny. So maybe, did you want to, Finish off by letting my listeners know maybe, um, if you had maybe some one critical point or one thing you wanted to mention, I know you've emphasized the focus on symptoms, less so on just looking at blood work. Is there one final message you want to leave
0: to my listeners? Yeah, so what I was saying before is don't break your head over the numbers. I spent so much time looking at those damn numbers. And it just drove me nuts. There was a point that I said, I'm gonna stop doing labs, the hell with the labs. I'm gonna experiment and I'm gonna try a little bit more. I'm gonna try a little bit less. And I'm gonna do it with a logical, rational approach. So I'm, today, I'm gonna to take a piece of paper with a date. Well, when I say piece of paper, I'm old school, I do it on the freaking computer, right? Uh, you're gonna take a, a note and you make a log and you're gonna say, Okay, today, how was how's my energy been lately? How's my erections been lately? My libido. My sleep, my drive, my focus, brain fog. Think of as many variables as you can, and write down how has that. Let's say last two weeks, and you know, take some little notes, and maybe like, you know, scale one to ten or five stars or whatever method you want to use, and then say, okay, I'm going to change one variable. I'm going to try taking a little bit more testosterone than before, or maybe I'll take a little bit less, or maybe I'm going to change my frequency, but change one variable. But the thing that guys do is they're like, okay, well, I'm going to take more testosterone. And instead of doing weekly shots, I'm going to do daily shots. And then I'm going to take 10,000 IU of vitamin D and I'm going to throw in some pregnenolone and I'm going to take 50 milligrams of DHA, and I'm going to see it. Now you have an outcome. The outcome could be, I feel better. The outcome could be that I feel the same. The outcome could be, I feel worse, right? Those are your three possibilities. Regardless of the outcome, what was the cause? What was the variable you changed? I don't freaking know. I I changed eight different things. How am I supposed to know what it was that made me feel the way I'm feeling? Okay. So it's incredibly, extremely important to change one variable. This is a, an exercise of patience. Okay. So you change one variable. I'm going to increase my dose. I'm going to give it six weeks. I'm going to put a note in the calendar in six weeks, I'm going to go do the same thing. Okay, today, my sleep, my drive, my energy, my focus, my erections, my libido. How have I been feeling? One to five stars or scale of one to 10. And then I'm going to take it and I'm going to grab my one from the last time and I'm going to compare. Which one was better? Is the new one better? Okay, so clearly I do better on a higher dose than I did did before. Okay, now you have a a new point of reference. Okay, what am I going to do now? Do I raise it higher? Do I want to increase my frequency? You know, I did notice my DHGA S serum levels were a little low, maybe I can try throwing in 25 milligrams, but pick one thing, do that for six weeks, and then write another log. Okay, so I have logs that I've done over a period of six years, I've seen all the stupid protocols I did and all the, how I was feeling. And like, uh, I haven't had a boner in three weeks. Like, <laughs> that one didn't work too good. You know? And, uh, you know, this one over here, my wife is telling me like to leave her alone. Cause she's like she's getting a rash. <laughs> okay. This one works really, really well. You know, you're, you're, it's, it's hard for, you know, if I was going to ask you, Hey, on your last protocol from six months ago, what were you doing? I was doing, I think I was doing this. How did you feel compared to now? Uh, Like you, you'll tend to forget how you felt. So take notes and then you'll see some kind of a pattern. Like, oh, when I have this like this, I seem to have a better outcome. Or when I add this, I seem to have a better outcome. But you want to change one variable at a time. Mm. Even if you change two variables at a time, I've changed my weekly dose and I've changed my frequency. I have an outcome. But was it the dose change or was it the frequency change? Shit. Shit. Now you're gonna start over anyway because you got to figure out which one it was. So just do it like that, and that will get you to your goal of now I know exactly what I need to do for my best. Hmm.
1: I think that that final message there, Danny. I mean, I, I can personally relate to the the patience aspect because I'm someone who always, like yourself. I mean, I'm always running experiments, different nootropics and different compounds, and assessing my own response. And it's the hardest thing ever, man, because you just want to like. You want to throw everything at your biology and just observe the effect, but you're really just setting yourself back. You're actually missing out on critical understanding like that.
0: Well, you know, it depends. Let's say for guys like us that we, let's say us, I'm assuming you've kind of figured out what your ideal TRT dose is, let's say, at this point. W-A-S? Um, personally? Yeah, you, yeah. I'm, I'm
1: still nat. I'm still a natty. You're a natty. I'm a youngster. I'm a young, star. I'm a young star. Out of here, talking to a natty. Uh, Jeez, uh, I'm a I'm a natty. Yeah. Nine. You're nine, natty. Nine eighty-eight nanograms total. Natty. Oh, he's
0: a he's a good natty. He's a he's a manly natty. I wish I was like you. Nine ninety-eight nanograms per deciliter. I, uh, nanograms. Yeah, my free T
1: is about five hundred. It's not bad, and but my SHBG is very high. Very high. High as in like over 100, higher my reference range goes up to like 60. I think okay, like 62. I mean, it's not high, high, okay, it's, it's on the verge, yeah, <laughs> okay.
0: So, are you doing anything to like try to lower your SHPG? Or
1: I tried things, I mean, I've tried a bunch of things, and really, if I just Born. yeah, I tried all that stuff, but if I manipulate things, like if I try and even I went through
0: a period of crushing estrogen. Yeah. Disaster. Not so much. Okay. Got it. Um, I guess so the point I was trying to make, I guess I'll have to relate to myself is I know what my ideal dose is. Yeah. I know what my ideal frequency is. I've got that figured out. So I can now experiment with stuff. Let I me mean, throw this in the, And if everything goes horribly wrong, I know I can just go back to this other thing I was doing before and, and I'll be sorted within, you know, a week or two. And that's it. So once you figured out what your ideal mm-hmm. protocol is then you can start fooling around with the stuff but until that time i wouldn't recommend it mm. but my total testosterone was 227 wow. uh, and my free t was like in the single digits Damn. uh in in uh, nanograms per deciliter you were talking 500 so that's probably what pmol i'm guessing yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it was uh yeah low <laughs> very low and people say, Oh, it could have been lifestyle changes and exercise and food. Like I was doing all that stuff, all of it and supplementing with vitamins and minerals and herbs. I tried everything and there's just nothing to be done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so maybe Danny, do you want to um, just let my listeners know where they can connect with you if they want to either work with you or or join the Facebook groups, so let them know where they can connect.
0: Sure. So I do work for a channel called T.R.T. and Hormone Optimization. I've done videos there. There's a lot of physicians that have done videos there. Medical professionals. There's, I mean, a ton of content on that channel strictly for T.R.T. There is a Facebook group with the exact same name, T.R.T. and Hormone Optimization. If you're on Facebook, anybody can join. There's about 10,000 guys in there right now. I'm one of the admins. You can go and post and say, hey, I've, I've done this. And what do you guys think? Or I'm feeling like this and I've tried these things. What do you think? Or my doctor is telling me this. Or what do you think I should do? And here's my protocol. These are my symptoms. What do you think I should do? And like I said, there's a bunch of physicians in there. Sometimes they chime in. There's a lot of guys in there really, really know their stuff. So. And we have a lot of moderators in there that are actively looking at the responses to make sure that nobody's giving some you know bullshit answer to throw you off track. We're very, very picky about that. So it's a very good place to post questions and learn from other people's experience. For myself, it's not even really something I advertise much, but on the odd occasion, if the guy is, you know, he's dealing with a doctor and him and his doctor just can't get stuff figured out. They'll sometimes contact me to say, you know, here are all the things I've done here in my lab. So what would you do? I can sometimes make recommendations. We do this over a 30 minute video call. They still had to go to their doctor and say, Hey, I've spoken to someone that knows a lot about the subject his idea would be to try this. What do you think? If the doctor says yes, well, the doctor's putting his signature on the script. The doctors takes responsibility, so I'm kind of held harmless here. I'm just providing some ideas. I sometimes get guys from all over the world where they're in countries where it's you can just buy it at a you know corner store basically, and they're self medicating and they have no doctors to do it. And they're like, I can buy the stuff legally. It's totally, but I'm trying to figure out what I got to do. I help them out with that. I even get the odd doctor that calls me up Sometimes this gets patient in their office like look we've tried everything I don't know what to do and silly enough I was told that I'm not allowed to tell a doctor anything because I'm not a medical professional and the doctor is not allowed to ask a non-medical professional for information apparently can lose his license so it does happen but I can't ever say who it is because they're, they're gonna get in trouble which is kind of silly so if there's anybody that wanted to just bounce some ideas and just have someone look at their labs. And like, they've been to a bunch of doctors and like not really getting anywhere. You can just shoot me off an email. So if you see at the bottom, my name is Danny Bossa. Everyone calls me Danny, but my real, real name is Daniel. Daniel Bossa at hotmail.com. You can shoot an, an email uh, there. All I basically do is I send a disclaimer for you to sign that like, makes you acknowledge that I'm not a medical professional. You just want to bounce some ideas off me, get some kind of recommendations. And uh, we do it over a 30-minute video call. That's it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I'll be sure to leave that info in the show notes for those listening in. But uh, Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate A lot. it. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash biology.
0: This has been a no-filter media production. Say what you want. Hold up. What was that?